Well, good evening, everyone. Always a pleasure. Let's start this right with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this evening and for this time together. Thank you for your perfect word, Lord, as we study and Lord, we seek out to live a life, God, that honors you more. And Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for all that you've done through him in saving us from our sins. Amen. So we're continuing on our topic through the book of Genesis. And so if you would go ahead and turn with me to Genesis 4. Now, last time we met, we had spoken about the fall. That horrendous fall where humanity gave in to temptation and we saw death enter the world. And though we failed God, and though death entered the world, God also had a plan for life through Jesus Christ. And there is not a day, no, not a moment that we should ever go by where we are not grateful to our Lord for that. So, if you have turned to Genesis 4, we're now going to see that after the fall, as time had progressed naturally, Adam and Eve began to bear children. And we're going to learn about Cain and Abel. And we're also going to learn about the nature of worship and sacrifice. So if you would please follow along as I read Genesis 4. And remember, this is the Word of God. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. Uh, just so you know, I know we just started, but in this particular chapter, the word new means new. Okay, so this means they're intimate, they've made love, they're having sex. And yes, you can use the word sex in church. It's okay. All right, but this is, but uh, they, they've made love, they are having children. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. 
When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. To say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree would be an understatement in this story. You would think that with Adam and Eve, that they would learn their lesson with sin. And it would then be generations from that moment before sin would be seen again. It reminds us about how important it is that as parents that we do, we teach our children. Even in the way Cain (laughs) tries to hide his sin from God, I can't help but get parallels and images to the way how Adam and Eve hid from the face of the Lord in the garden when they knew of their sin. So indeed, history has already repeated itself, and it only took one generation. But as Genesis is, it's a book of where we see things happening for the first time. In the first brothers, we see the first sibling rivalry. But then we also see the first premeditated murder as well. We see here that God instituted a way in which humanity was to worship him at that time. That's an important reminder. God was the one that instituted worship. It's not a man-made thing. Worship is something that has been given to us by the Lord. And then as we see in worship, it was up to Adam and Eve then to teach this to their children. And to their credit, apparently, they did. At least Cain and Abel were attempting to give sacrifices. They were participating. It was not neglected. But as we look at these sacrifices, a very common question about this text is, but what about these offerings? What is an acceptable offering to the Lord? We see with Cain and Abel where one was accepted and one was not. Is this a case of God preferring meat over grain or was there something more to it? Well, there is an assumption that many people make that it's the type of offering that God cares about. We see here that Abel offered one of his flock, while Cain offered from the fruit of the ground. And some would say that it seemed like God rejected it because it was not a blood sacrifice. However, that's not the case, because we see in the Old Testament worship that there were many offerings given to God that did not require blood. In fact, you could see grain offerings being given to God in the book of Leviticus as a testament to this. So 
we can very easily see here that this is not a case of God preferring blood over grain in the case of Cain and Abel. Yes, the blood is the ultimate sacrifice, but God has always made a way in which one could sacrifice to him. We see in the laws that for those that could afford it, they could give something larger, but those that were poor, they could give something lesser. And that is throughout the old law. So it's not even about the size, what it is, or the amount of it, but it is about the attitude. It is about the attitude and the heart in which the sacrifice has been made. We see this in the Old Testament a couple different times. We see Samuel. When, we, when dealing with King Saul, he tried to explain to Saul that when Saul had pridefully taken the place of one of the priests and offered a sacrifice as a priest, he was worried about what the men thought when he should have worried about what God thought about the sacrifice. In Samuel 15.22, it says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So what we see is that it's more than just the sacrifice. There's the heart of obedience in there as well. We also see that Hosea, in rebuking Israel for the lack of care for the poor, he told them a word. And we see in Hosea 6.6, 6, it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Isn't it interesting that in a culture where there are sacrifices being given, we see so much scripture that says, yes, make a sacrifice, but it's not about the sacrifice. There's more to it than that. It's the heart, it's the attitude. No, it's not about what the sacrifice is or the amount of the sacrifice, but it's about the heart which gives it. And this is the reason why God respected Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's. First, we see it was a matter of faith. It was a matter of faith. Whereas Abel's sacrifice was a sacrifice of faith, Cain's was not. In Hebrews 11.4, we see that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. And then the Bible says that after Abel's offering, that it was the firstlings of his flock and the fat of it. It says it was the first of his flock and the fat portions. And Abel's offering was of the first and the best. It was even the best of the first. So the best of the best is what he had given to the Lord. And he knew God and he wanted to give him the very best he could. Now, the thing about Abel's sacrifice was that it was something also close to his heart. Abel had to raise the sacrifice since it was a lamb. And not only raise it since it was a lamb, but treat it in such a way that it became the best lamb of all the best lambs. This was something close to his heart, yet he still gave it up as a sacrifice. 
And then, but yet we see with Cain's offering, we see that Cain brought off the first of the ground and offered it unto the Lord. The text is a little bit shorter, a little bit broader in the way it describes Cain's offering. And the way it's worded almost seems that Cain brought what he felt he could give to the Lord, but maybe he felt that the Lord did not need his the very best of what the ground had to offer and what, what he had produced. There was something less about what Cain had given. Abel gave more in the sense of that it was his best. There was sacrifice involved. There was even pain in what he had given. Cain's sacrifice was perhaps a bit convenient in what he had given. After all, that lamb was going to be burned. What a waste of a perfectly good lamb. Or your most prized crops. Just burn them away? From a worldly standard, we would say no. We, we would get more good out of keeping them than giving them to the Lord. That is in essence is what we are seeing here. And with this, we see a loss of respect in Cain's sacrifice. Some of us are like Cain, where we don't trust the Lord enough to give him our best. And we figure we could get more out of our best for us than the Lord could. So the first issue with Cain's sacrifice was the faith. The next was the attitude. Abel's attitude was give his best to the Lord and the Lord will always give. Give his best back, being his blessing and his acceptance. But with what Cain gave to the Lord, we see that his attitude was not right. His attitude was not to the Lord, but ultimately, like I said, convenience. There was too much of himself in this sacrifice. It was too much about him and not enough about the Lord. In 1 John 3.12, we read that we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's a sad picture of the attitude which Cain had. And we see some more of this attitude shown when God did not respect Cain's sacrifice. The Bible says that when Cain saw God's reaction to his sacrifice, that he was very angry, and his face fell. Your translation might say his, his countenance fell. He, he was angry. His face was sad. He was visibly upset. He struggled to control himself that he was so angry. And God saw this as well, of course. And he said, why are you angry? If you do right, won't your sacrifice be accepted? But if you do wrong, that is sin. Or if you do wrong, then sin is waiting at the door, desiring to come in. Scripture says, be angry and do not sin. But we also need to remember, though, that when we are angry, if we're not careful, we can become more vulnerable to sin. Especially when we are angry for the wrong reasons when we have a hard time accepting the fact that we might be wrong 
or we did something in the wrong way. It's easy for us to picture Jesus Christ knocking at the door of our heart. It's a beautiful picture that he would knock on it and, and you let him in. But we also need to remember, though, that sin also crouches at the door. Just as Christ had to be invited, so does sin. Yes, sin is real and waiting to pounce at us. But I stated here, when God is with us, God gives us the desire and the strength to overcome it. Yes, he enables, he helps us to overcome. But we must be cautious to make sure our desire for the Lord and not ourselves for fear that we might fall prey to sin. Cain allowed anger, jealousy, and envy get into his way. And we need to watch these tools of Satan, otherwise he will use them to cloud our judgment so that we can see what is truly going on. Have you yourselves ever been in a moment of anger where you had said something you regretted, did something you regretted, or you just know in your heart you felt sick afterwards from the anger? I can tell you I've, I've done all three. Um, my anger was such an issue for me in high school that I didn't realize this until I was a little bit older, but my siblings thought that I had the worst relationship with my mother possible, and they didn't even know if I'd have a relationship with her when I got older. And I'm like, I had no idea anybody felt this way because I thought I had a good relationship with my mom. But apparently the anger... And my temperament that I had during that chapter of my life preached a very different message than honor your father and mother. Anger can be a good thing, but anger for the wrong reasons can leave us vulnerable to sin. King's judgment was clouded by his anger. And instead of asking God for forgiveness, he begins then to plan out the murder and the death of his brother. Remember Adam and Eve? Instead of them asking for forgiveness, they began playing the blame game with each other. And Adam even blames God for his troubles rather than repenting. And we see Cain following in his father's footsteps. He blames his brother, except now his blame is also being nurtured by his anger, his uncontrolled anger, to the point where the envy is then converted into murder-lust. Scripture does say to be careful and not let the sun go down on your anger. And this could very well be the reason why. We also remember that God does not forget the blood of the innocent who were slain as martyrs for the Lord. But you must always know that even though that someone may have wronged you, vengeance still belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to us. 
And in the story of Cain and Abel, we, we learn about the plight of this uncontrolled anger, this misplaced rage, and how anger, if left uncontrolled and not given to the Lord, can easily lead to more than just an ill feeling. But if we are not careful, it can lead to separation from God. Anger. Anger is like a fire. It can provide warmth. It can provide something to cook your meal. It can save a life in a cold time. But fire can also cause destruction to forests and homes and people in all kinds of ways. Anger is a gift from God that isn't something that that we say is evil. I don't believe anger is evil. No, because God gave it to us for a reason. But anger given to Satan, anger that is put under human control, anger that is not given to God, that is a destructive force. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not hasty in your spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the laps of fools. James 1.19 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Matthew 5.22 says, Whoever is angry with their brother without reason shall be in danger of God's judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Die, shall be in danger of judgment. We need to honor the Lord with all of us. Our attitudes our very best that He has given us, our faith, our relationships. We need to give God our very best of all of it because He deserves the very best of all that He has already given us. Ephesians 4.26 Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So what do we do with this anger? If anger is a gift from the Lord, how do we ensure that we don't make the same mistake as Cain? Well, first, we need to remember a humble heart, an attitude. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Yes, watch our tongues first. How many times have we been angry and then we weren't careful about our words and then we end up making a situation worse because we were not careful with the words that we spoke about a situation that made us mad. Yes, humility about our anger. Like I said, anger is not an evil thing, but it must be given to the Lord. 
Anger can be controlled with wisdom. Proverbs 29.8 Evil men can bring a city into a snare, but a wise man is able to turn away wrath. Have you ever considered that sometimes we jump on a perspective that's incorrect when it comes to the times that we're angry? Has it ever happened to you where you've made an assumption about a situation, you reacted about that situation, and then later down the line you found out you misread the entire situation from beginning to end? It is the worst feeling in the world. I've learned with, uh, I've learned with my kids being a parent, that's something I have to be careful of because it's very easy that, you know, there's that, those first couple times where your kid tries to sneak something or they lie to you about something where you assume, you just start assuming that your kid's lying to you and sneaking things all the time. The problem with such an assumption is, well, <laughs> you actually end up being more wrong than right and your kid's actually surprisingly more honest than you give them credit for and then as a parent i receive the guilt of knowing i have prejudged my children without giving them the chance to speak or giving them a chance to show me a perspective that was not there before because if i had wisdom i would seek out to understand a situation first before I react to what's happening in front of me. We had hoped that in the story of Cain and Abel, we'd hoped it would have been a while before we saw sin again. But like father, like son, we see that sin continued. And not only to this father and that son, but we also bear the sin of Adam. And so we had to rely on a new Adam, Jesus Christ, one with no sin, no blemish. Because we fall into all the same snares as, yes, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and any other struggling person in Scripture you find. Oh, I guess that's all of them. Because we're all human and we have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. This is shown in the life of Adam and Eve, and it's also shown in Cain that he would bear the punishment. Cain was no longer allowed to work the ground. Remember when Adam sinned and what happened? God then proclaimed that the land would start to produce thistles and thorns and it would struggle for him out of the ground. And Cain, Cain was trained to work the ground. It was his life to work the ground. It was the source of his worship and his sacrifices. And God punished him by saying, the ground will no longer produce for you. It's a somber reminder that yes, there is judgment for sin. 
that yes, there is judgment for sin. And we receive that in our own lives. And our only hope, our only hope is in Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is that as we have talked a little bit about worship and faith and godly attitudes, and we've talked about anger and sin and judgment, that you consider rightly what has God called from us to be in our worship, in our sacrifices, the faith and the attitude that we have poured into them in the way we treat one another, in the way we handle our anger. Are we like Cain or are we like Abel? Are we faithful and righteous? Or are we angry and bitter? What has Christ called us to be? What has Christ called us to do? Christ, the source of our salvation, the one who in turn sacrificed to glorify God and to save us from our sins. What a declaration of worship to the Lord. We forget that sometimes. That the crucifixion, yes, it saved, but it also worshiped God in the mightiest way possible. So I'll end with this. Consider your worship. Consider your heart and your attitude as you bring it to the Lord. Whether it's here at church in this place, or whether it is out at the grocery store, or whether it is out while you're visiting family, or election election day is coming up in November. How are you worshiping the Lord in that? Never compromise your testimony for the sake of politics. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Because our God is greater than all that and He deserves far more. So honor the Lord in your worship. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Honor the Lord in your faith, your attitude, and yes, your self-control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, the... We've read these stories so many times as children, and sometimes we can overlook the straightforward lessons, Lord, that you teach us through them. God, I pray that those lessons may be simple, Lord, that we receive them for the value that they have, because, Lord, these are your words. God, let us glorify you with our testimonies, our sacrifices, and our time with one another. We thank you, Lord, for your love. And we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. Amen.